it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, yearn to wade in a high Sierra or Alaska stream, or just look forward to taking the kids out to one of our local lakes, chase proud crappie or bass, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Welcome to Robin Real Radio. I am your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy, and we have a great show lined up for you tonight. We're going to start off talking with the director of the 2015 Yellowtail Derby, John Campbell. The whole thing starts here on Wednesday, uh, April the 29th, at the Valley High Restaurant. So we're going to get in contact with John, find up just what's up. If you haven't signed up for the Yellowtail Derby, you should. And then also, John's running a special charter for the Yellowtail Derby participants that may not be able to get on on their own, so you're going to want to hear all about that. So that will be right uh, after the election. And then coming up at 6 o'clock, we're going to have Dean Rojas. Dean will be with us. And Dean right now is up at the California Delta, up in Sacramento. BASS Elite Series is coming on out here. So uh, we're going to want to hear all about that and how the guys are preparing for the Elite Series because right after the California Delta, they go down to fish Lake Havasu. So without that, let me uh, introduce to you the co-host of Ron Real. He is the voice of 1-800-FASTBOAT. Pretty good fisherman in his own right. Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, how you doing tonight? You know, John, uh, I am having a great day. I had a tournament oh. yesterday. I had a wine tasting today, and now I'm doing Rod and Radio. I mean, what what's the basic problem with that? It's been fun, fun, fun. And, uh, and I'm currently talking to some of the places in the uh, Sierras to let us know what they've caught and what they've got over the period of our opener here. So I'll have a little report here in the next little bit. Hey, that's going to be good, uh, seeing some of the reports that came from there. They had a little snowfall on them over this uh They, they predicted inclement weather, and they got, a, I think the Sierra's got a little everything. They had nice weather, they had cold weather, mm-hmm. they had rainy weather, they had rain, they had wind, they, but they had fish. And that's the really the most important part. All right. Hey, well, Wendy uh, is at 22nd Street Landing. She's a part of that uh, day at the landings there. So we uh, will hopefully be hearing with Wendy a little bit later on. You're actually going to hear from Wendy now. We're going to hear from Wendy. I wasn't even told you were on, Wendy. Welcome to the show. Let me, pardon me, let me get my official voice on. 
And also, <laughs> let's introduce you to the other co-host of Rod Real Radio. She is the national sales manager for Iserline and a great outdoorsman in her own right, Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, welcome to the show. Why, thank you, John. Hello, Stan. Well, I hope Can you still guys hear Dan's probably trying to go back to make some of his contacts. And he's trying to get the latest information from the High Sierras, so we can get a report later on in the show, Wendy. Oh, okay. Well, we're all done with Day at the Landings. It was great. We had a good time. A lot of people showed up, and we gave away a lot of prizes. That is great. But, hey, right now uh, we're kind of going to plan B when it comes to the broadcast over here, so... Uh, it's hard for me to stay in contact with Jr. But Jr., do we have our first guest? Yeah. Introduce to you our first guest for tonight. He is the director of the 2015 International Yellowtail Derby, and what great time he is! If there is any better time to be running a Yellowtail Derby, it's got to be absolutely right now, Mr. John Campbell. John, how are you doing tonight? Great. This is a no-brainer this year. We don't have to worry about there not being any yellowtail or being scratchy. Yeah, uh, no kidding. It's phenomenal. Hi, Wendy. How are you doing? Great, John. You, uh, you and John Cassidy really did a phenomenal job at Day at the Docks. You kept everybody going and had great things to say all the time. Uh, congratulations. Oh, I thank you very much. We had a good time, huh, John? We certainly did, Wendy, and I've got to tell you, uh, uh, you did a great job, uh, you know, keeping everything going, and there were times when I couldn't be up there. I, I did a, uh, a demonstration, and you uh, took the reins and handled them masterfully, and, and hopefully uh, we had such a good time, but we don't want to tell Catherine and those folks that we were having a good time. We were working hard. Maybe they'll ask us to do it again <laughs> next year. <laughs> well, yeah, we saw Don there. He did a great do job too, um, John Campbell. Yeah, John, you were walking around. You want to tell us about the young lady you were walking around with? Yes, uh, this is Miss Yellowtail Derby of uh, 2015, Tierra Haynes, and uh, she's she's just fantastic. So enthusiastic, as uh, to the point where she has done something we've never done before. As she's organized a charter. It's a come fish, come fish with Miss Yellowtail charter. No I'll get that on May 10th, and we've got actually five uh, spots open. And uh, anybody that's uh, interested can call me. At, uh, I'm going to be the charter master. It looks like I've been appointed to do that uh, at uh, 619-991-5480 on the vendor right. on May. 10th. I'm sorry. Yeah, we had a great time, Miss Yellowtail. Uh, we took pictures of uh, uh, a lot of the sponsors and, and, and people at the uh, at the show and signed up a bunch of people. They got uh, a lot of new entries. And and then uh, this uh, this Wednesday, this coming Wednesday on the 29th, uh, John, uh, you're going to help us uh, be our MC at our 7th uh, annual uh, kickoff party, the launch party at the Valley High at 6 p.m. on Wednesday. And uh, we've got a number of speakers they're lined up as well, so uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, Pat McDonald of Western Outdoor News, uh, Bill uh, Buchanan from uh, Cousins Tackle, uh, Chris Randall from The Chief, and Bob Vanyan to tell us uh, uh, where, the, where the latest bite is 
uh, it's just going to be it's going to be a great tournament this year. We got a lot of excitement. We got a lot of great anglers, uh, really competitive people uh, from uh, that won other tournaments and things. So uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, the only the only question mark is uh, uh, if and when the white sea bass will show up. Halibut are around. A 48-pound halibut's already been caught in the San Diego Bay, so um, it's pretty exciting. And uh, the way people can enter, uh, find out about more about it, is come to the awards, not the awards, but the kickoff party at the Valley High uh, this Wednesday at 6. And or go on to uh, just Google Yellowtail Derby, and you'll uh, go to our great website, and, uh, and they'll tell you all the information there. Uh, so basically, uh, the area is uh, 30 miles south of Point Loma. It takes in the Coronado Islands and the, uh, uh, the other areas down there. They're very, very, uh, right now, just tons of yellowtail. Uh, and that, that oh, I, I was at the ball game today, and one of the ushers was pointed out, I was there with the San Diego Angler Group, one of the ushers caught a 42-pound yellowtail on the San Diego out at the Coronados. Last week. That's a nice tail. That's a nice fish uh, for a three-quarter day trip. Yeah, three-quarter day trip. And um, uh, so uh, lots of things. The other thing, the other the fun thing, uh, Doug Kern decided that he wanted to have a, a side little adventure and help get some more excitement into the year derby. So he's come up with a, with a uh, guess the weight of the winning fish. And uh, you have to turn your turn your balance in before the heavy duty fishing goes. Uh, the, the tournament starts May second and goes through June sixth. Fishing, you have to turn in your gifts the weight uh, slips by May fourth. You know, and that's you know, if I don't have them by May fourth, and you send them in, they're 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 void. They're void. Uh, the, the other uh, the other uh, uh, things you have to do is follow the uh, the rules. You cannot. Um, you, you have to weigh in the, your largest fish each day. You cannot um, weigh in more more than you know one yellowtail, one white sea bass, or one halibut. And you have to weigh them in within 24 hours. Uh, if you catch a fish and, and you you haven't weighed in and you don't send your weight slip in for two or three days or a week or two weeks like somebody did a couple of years or so ago, uh, you're disqualified. So that's a that's a minor deal. But uh, um, so it's, it's it's really pretty easy to to get in, and uh, pretty easy. To, there's, there's multiple multiple ways to win as well, because there's three different classes of way you catch fish: on open party boat, kayak, or a um, a private boat. So there you can, and you can win on all three of those. And there's men's and women's, and juniors. Yeah, we, uh, we want to remind people, this isn't an event that's going to be uh, going on all summer. They, uh, even though the kickoff is going to be this Wednesday, uh, the event starts uh, May the 2nd and goes through June the 7th. So you only have yourself uh, about 36 days to fish this thing. So it's really important that you get your entries in. And you get out there and you start fishing as soon as possible because you don't want to wait until the last minute. That's right. So you, the whole deal is you can fish one day or any days. The biggest fish wins. But over an extended period of time, it also takes in periods where it gets blown out, like a 
past couple of days, it got pretty pretty snotty out there. So uh, one one year, uh, a couple of years ago, the first five days and the last six days were fishable. The rest of them were pretty pretty nasty. So we also have two people fishing this year that fished in the original Yellowtail Derby back in the, the 50s and 60s. And oh, that's and, awesome. Yeah. And, and Wendy, you know one of them, John Cassidy. <laughs> and another awesome, fellow by the John. name of Rodney Adcox, Adcox um, who's become a great photographer, uh, he fished in 1962. Oh, my. So, uh, you know, uh, the Yellowtail Derby, John, if I'm not mistaken, was it, it, what, 1946? 1946 it started, yeah. And right. it was six months long. It would start in March and end in September. Well, is this the Yellowtail Derby that you go have going? Uh, this is the seventh year it's been going. You've, you've kind of streamlined it a little bit, but one of the nice things is that you've got a ton of prizes to give away. And in most weekends, there are also weekend prizes to be had, even if you yeah. don't catch the largest fish of the event. Yes. Uh, each weekend, we give a prize to the largest fish caught on, on a weekend. That's just a little extra something. We've we've got some you know yield, uh, uh, ballast points come up with some some things for us and some other folks. We got we have we have some pretty nice prizes uh, that they, that you that's a, just an extra. If you happen to catch the largest fish on the weekend, well, that's double extra. <laughs> Well, I know you've got a slew of prizes, but the the main prize again for winning this event with the largest yellow tail it's, uh, it's maybe well, not as big as the prize. Besides, but what is besides it, about five thousand dollars in cash and prizes, we weigh the winner in, and it's really kind of the most exciting thing for most anglers. Just the thought of it, I and mean, it's not the money part of it or the value of it, but they get their weight. And Ballast Point Pale Ale Beer. So does everybody bulk up before the tournament? <laughs> and, and, and it's the only part of the tournament you can cheat. So, Wendy, <laughs> if you were fishing, you could wear two or three weight belts, your, uh-huh. your boots full of water, you know, uh, anything else. See? And uh-huh. one, of guy, one, one guy on uh, 2011... Wore two weight belts and he he walked away with eleven, no nine nine cases. Wow! You know, yeah. John, with the hosp- hospitality that Eddie Baum and his family uh, 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 show for us at the Valley High Restaurant, we're all a couple of pounds heavier when we get out of there. <laughs> yes, actually, Larry and his sons are being honored Wednesday night. At the Port Tennis Association, uh, before uh, being kind of a, a one of the best uh, run uh, operations on the bay, and a, kind of a model showing that uh, it's a kind of a family affair. And, and Larry, you know, just re- renewed a couple of years ago uh, for the Valley High and for Tom M's Lighthouse, and got all the, all the sons to sign on. All right, John, well, let's just remind our listeners the okay. kickoff party. We'll, we'll see you Wednesday night. It's Wednesday night, April 29th. 
And John, if uh, people want to uh, sign up to this thing during the event, that's not a problem, is it? All they can hear is music. Okay. Well, John, thanks for being with us. We look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night. And uh, Okay. We'll see you Wednesday night. All right. Come thanks, down. John. <laughs> Hey, this is Rod Real Radio on AM 540. Kosher Hart is with us. Dan Vandenberg is somewhere out in the ether. I think we'll reel him on in. You're listening to us at RodRealRadio.com. Got to take a break right now, but coming up next, what the heck is Phil thinking with Phil Friedman? Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main in El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the Anglin community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for near shore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. I am an angler, a heroic defender of the noble sport of fishing. When I go out with my crew, we're prepared for everything, from itty-bitty mosquitoes to the biggest bass you've ever seen. Not to mention, we all wear life jackets. And with this year's drought conditions, we're also defending every last drop of water, saving lives and saving water, because the best defense is a good offense. 
Just don't tell the fish that. Take your hero quiz at BoatCalifornia.com. A message from the California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. This segment of Rod Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to BloomFisherKing.com for further information. It's a big deal. You know, I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. Hey, in Southern California, we do want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. Dan Vandenberg with us tonight. So is Wendy and now it's time for What the Heck is Phil Thinking? And here's the voice of uh, uh, PFO Radio, Phil Friedman. Phil, how are you? Hey, John, the voice of something. I'm here, man, and uh, just had a wonderful day at 22nd Street Landing for Day at the Landing. We just finished up and wrapped that up, and I can tell you a little bit about that. But doing great. How about yourself? We're doing well, and let's talk a little bit about what you guys did, because, Wendy, you were up there, so there must have been uh, some uh, uh, big wham-bam, thank you, ma'am, event going on up there that we should know about. It was uh, really a great day on many different levels. I mean, uh, it was it was kind of funny because some of the boats were in a dilemma about whether they should run or stay at day at the land, and they wanted to have open house there, and... The big guy upstairs kind of put his hand in this whole thing and conjured up some wind, so the boats all had to lay in. So all the boats were there, and uh, people came down, big crowd, really nice crowd. And Mike Morrison, who runs 22nd Street Landing, is just as nice a guy as you'll ever want to meet. And it, and it comes through at the landing. I've been down there at 5 in the morning when he's getting the same question over and over again from the same person, and he handles it with his patience and kindness and He's just a remarkable guy, and he did a great job today. And uh, lots of people, John, the boats were open. Uh, we had uh, about 30 kids from the Wilmington Boys and Girls Club come down, and then we took them down, and we fished on board the Pursuit in the harbor. Two kids caught yellowtail, John, in the harbor, fishing on the Pursuit, and then we went off for a harbor cruise in addition to that. And finally, it's become a tradition now. It's the second year, but... We uh, bumped it up. We didn't do a jalapeno eating contest this year. We did a Serrano uh, chili eating contest, and it was excruciating. I've got video that I'll be putting up on PFO on Facebook probably tomorrow, maybe a little later tonight, but more likely tomorrow. But excruciating, the two guys at the end decided to shake hands after consuming about 16 of these big, giant Serrano, and there I'm talking about raw chilies, not in any kind of uh, marinade or anything like that. Uh, and about six other guys had dropped out at that point, but really, really a great day down there. And one other note, those kids from Wilmington, California, from the Boys and Girls Club, I never heard so many thank yous and excuse me's, and it is such a delight to see young people with that kind of courtesy and, and manners. John, it was really, really great. Well, 
Sounds like you all had a great time. But you know what? Before that weather set in, this past week, Bill, I can't remember a time in a long time when I've seen the numbers of yellowtail coming on up and being brought in during the middle of the week that I saw this week. It was pretty phenomenal. Oh, my God, John, you're so right about that. And I'll kind of concentrate up on in this area. You, I know you handle San Diego, although those, the Coronado Islands have been remarkable. Just great scores coming out of there, nice, great fish. So I'll bring it up to probably the best venue for L.A. Orange County based fishermen before this big blow, and that was definitely San Clemente Island. In San Clemente Island, there were several different, several different spots of yellowtail, many different spots of yellowtail. One was off the island, however, on a reef that they fish in deeper water, and that's where the really big yellows were coming. They were coming off this desperation reef, we call it. I fished there 40 years ago with John Dipley when he ran the Toronado, and that place is still producing in their big, tough yellowtail with with real attitude. Guys are fishing 40-pound mono with a sardine, and some of them are still busting fish off. And a big hook, you know, a 3 out of 5 out size hook is appropriate up there. Some yo-yo iron fish also. As you say, John, I mean, hundreds of these fish, just great fishing. And when the conditions weren't right out there, say the current wasn't running correctly and the fish didn't want to bite, you come into the kelp, you catch a smaller grade of yellowtail, but you catch a bunch of those, like 80, 90, 100 of those or more for boats in L.A. Orange County Basin. It's like the Freedom out of 22nd Street Landing or the Tornado out of Pierpoint Landing. Those boys have been all over that bite. And so... I mean, I mean, how could you paint a better picture? I mean, the downside is that you go in and you catch a hundred smaller yellowtail. And <laughs> by the way, while you're in there catching those along the kelp line, then you have these nice bass that are biting. The calico bass bite on the kelp line has been phenomenal. So it, it's just been a remarkable year, as you said. And there's some of that going on at Catalina Island. Also, the great fish at Cat has been primarily smaller, but there's some bigger fish if you drift on Farnsworth. There's been some big fish coming out of there, some 15 to 20, 25 pound stuff back there. And then you have that great, great, you know, you got that mix of some sheep's head and white fish and some more calico bass. So boats like the Pursuit, they leave at 6 a.m. every morning from 22nd Street Landing and point their nose at Catalina Island every day. And they've been doing pretty good. And they've been seeing quite a bit of barracuda. Not catching a lot, but seeing a lot. Normally we'll see that in the spring. And sometimes it will show up at Catalina Island, first of all. Sometimes it'll show up on the back in the Silver Canyon area. In this case, these guys are catching some on the front. So starting to see some barracuda and keeping our fingers crossed that maybe we get a decent barracuda run this year. Man, it is just wide open. And as you said, the uh, the boats that uh, went out to San Clemente Island, I believe the Toronado was out there. Phenomenal fishing out there on Catalina Island. And I uh, and they braved the weather. I think uh, some of the private boaters braved the weather and were out there today and still hit some of those fish. Yeah, it's amazing. So if that is indeed the case, then I guess we can surmise from that the water did not roll enough, the temp didn't drop enough, and it's probably game on. I know I just talked to Captain Jeff Jessup just a few moments ago, and he's on the Freedom tonight, and he is headed out there to San Clemente Island. And I got a text from Buzz Brizendine, who runs the Prowler out of Fisherman's Landing in San Diego. I, I got it just now, so I haven't had a chance to call him. All it says is, going for BFT offshore Friday night. So Buzz has probably got some info that I can uh, get from him a little bit later, but it sounds to me like he's got some info on bluefin tuna 
and he'll be going Friday night out of Fisherman's Landing, and Buzz has got his ear to all the very, very latest all the time. Him and I have been sharing info for, for about three decades, so uh, I'm encouraged by seeing that from Buzz, and, and I'm very encouraged by listening to what you said about more fish being taken today, that perhaps it didn't roll the ocean conditions, and we'll keep this thing going. And, and the other thing, still lots of big bonita around. There's good bonita fishing, and I'm not going to poo-poo that at all. I'm glad to see that fish back. It is such a great gateway fish for kids. I'm, I'm a true believer that you hand a kid a rod with a bonita on it, and that's all she wrote. you got a fisherman for life. They're just such a great introductory fish for kids into fishing, and that was a lot of fun seeing those yellowtail caught on the pursuit inside the harbor for a couple of the kids, uh, both girls, I believe, if I remember right. Two little girls from the Wilmington Boys and Girls Club. That was a lot of fun. I caught that on video also. Now, uh, Wendy, I think you may comment on this too, and I don't know if you saw it or not, Phil, on the, on the uh, Rod Real Radio page on Facebook. We put up a video that one of the boats took. They were on a nature trip, but they were in U.S. waters, and just off in the distance, they started, uh, they saw a little bit of a commotion. And as they came closer and closer to that commotion, it was bluefin tuna boiling all over the place, and there wasn't a rod aboard the boat to throw on them. They were on a nature trip, and they were in U.S. waters. But, Wendy, you, uh, I think you commented on that video, too. Yeah, you know, that's awesome, and it's early, and it's great, and what a season we're going to have. I'm excited. I know. Yeah, that might explain the text I just got from Puzz, too. I, I think I get it now, John. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it all comes together, uh, uh, so it was really great. You know, we were supposed to go down uh, the coastline with uh, Captain Chuck Taft on the uh, legend, and we got blown on out, and the the last report I saw was that there were still uh, 25, to, you know, plus mile an hour winds out there and 12 foot seas. So let's hope it calms down because I think we're going to be seeing the best fishing of the next week during the middle of the week. So folks should be going on out there. Yeah, and we are rolling into a nice weather scenario from what I can see here. Tomorrow and the next few days, it's supposed to stop this breeziness. And incidentally, down here, uh, around San Pedro, it's still very breezy, and I know some of the boats poked their nose outside the San Pedro Gap today, and it was just snotty, kind of uh, what we call jackass weather, where it comes in all these different directions, and it was kind of that kind of a scenario today, but it's supposed to calm down fairly quickly, and I think we're going to go into some high pressure and get some nice warm weather, and we all know what that does, and we're kind of rolling up on the full moon. And uh, there was a sea bass caught the other day on board the Tornado, so that's interesting. Who knows on the next full? I know there's a lack of market squid around, but still we might see a few more sea bass. And bluefin uh, love to bite on the full moon. So we're, you were right, John and Wendy. We are just glad. we've got our bow pointed towards some really great fishing with some great signals and signs. Clemente yellows. We didn't even talk about the Channel Islands. A few sea bass and yellows starting to show up there, and just phenomenal rock fishing. I mean, I, I'm a guy that, you know, some guys like poo-poo rock fishing and don't like it, and they prefer all surface fishing. I'm not one of those guys. I love to catch cod. I love to catch autumn stuff. It is so much fun, and there's hardly a better place to do it than up there in the Channel Islands. They just continue to do really, really well on chuckleheads and whitefish and sheepshead and lots of lingcod. It's been really remarkable fishing up there also. 
I'm with you, Phil. I'm, I've am i got an Iserline trip this Tuesday on the Stardust, so we're heading up to San Diego, and we're going to fish rockfish uh, on the Stardust. So I'm looking forward to it. should be great fishing. And the weather's supposed to be excellent. Oh, I hope you have a great trip, Wendy. And, I, yeah, I am so much with you. And, you know, my two kids, we, we've caught a ton of albacore, and we've been fortunate enough to catch marlin and every, Oahu and everything else. But, I mean, if, if those kids here that we're going rockers, you know, they're all over it. It is fun. I, I mean, I don't know how you can't like dropping down and feeling those big thumps on your line and setting the hook and feeling your rod tip start to bend down. And you wonder when it really gets heavy, man, what do I have? And it's that mystery, Wendy, I think that makes that so much fun. You just never know what you're going to drag up from the depths. That's you know? right. Hey, Phil and Wendy, have you seen that petition that's going around uh, to sign and uh, the time for public comment when it comes to the uh, recreational taking of bluefin. I have seen that, John. Uh, I, I haven't studied it too closely. or I just saw it in passing. I've been uh, running around with this event, but I saw something about asking for comments about bluefin. And blue, I think it's uh, the Depart- California Department of Fish and Wildlife, right? Right. right yeah, there, and uh, it's very important for everyone to comment. So even if you, you know... If you have just a few words to say, let me know, because we need everyone to speak speak up. Yeah, uh, and right now what you can do, uh, uh, the only I know there's a few places you can go, but most of the boats out of San Diego, if you get on their site, they will give you a link that you can go to to comment on the taking of bluefin tuna, and this is the time to put in your comment why you think recreational fishermen should be allowed to take bluefin tuna. Because if uh, they don't get enough response from us from the public, it's going to be one of those things they're going to think that uh, no one cares, and so they'll just go and close this down again with no science at all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and no one, and you know how that works, John. And Wendy, you know very well also because you're out there advocating all the time, but. Nobody really ever says anything until it happens and it's too late. And then people are like, oh, my God, well, what happened? And, and people like Wendy Toshihara is out there telling you, well, we've been telling you this for X amount of time. And, uh, you know, human nature is a funny thing. So hopefully people will get on, uh, get on this a little bit earlier this time. The squeaky oil gets the wheel. I've learned that. So, Can you hear me? You better be- yeah. You know, you're going to... Yeah, Stan, are you there? Yeah, I just kind of came out of the weeds here. I've been sitting in the background because I've had other things I've been doing. But um, we need to know the phone number to call. And even, I mean, we can get a hold of people in Northern California that are in the fishing groups and whatever else, and we need to put it out there that you need to make a call on this and put in your two cents because it's not just local Southern California. It's all over the Western United States that comes to fish this fishery out of San Diego and the West Coast. <clears throat> and there are other people that need to know about it, but we need to kind of spread the word. And who do you call and what what phone number do we get out? Well, written comments are best, Dan. Okay. So, well, then, um, where do we go? What do we do? And, and so if you um, on Facebook, all of us have shared it. And so if, if you see one of our posts, then please share it on your webpage and um, please send it to all your friends so they can go ahead and comment. Yeah, uh, right now uh, most all of the... Uh, uh, the boat sites, uh, uh, the skippers of those boats have uh, posted the uh, link in order to make a comment. Uh, I don't know how long the comment time is going to be, but there's a link there where you can make your comment and you can submit it 
to the California Department of, uh, of uh, Game and uh, Fisheries and uh, uh, hopefully make an impact on this. It's very seldom do they actually give the public time to make public comments, but right now we're in that window. Also on Buzz Brizendine's Facebook page, he says to comment at comments at regulations.gov. All right. Hey, uh, uh, Phil, I know uh, you're a busy fellow, but if we want to get a hold of you or uh, listen to your uh, blogs or even listen to you uh, during the weekend with your Spanish uh, uh, program, how's the best way to go about and do that? Well, John, thank you so much. Two ways you can go to www.pfomedia.com. Uh, that's our internet site, or just go to PFO on Facebook. Or in Spanish, you can go to www.aventurasalaredelibre.com, or you can go to aventurasalaredelibre on Facebook also, and that's the best way. And I want to send all my thanks out to Mike Morrison, 22nd Street Landing, and I really want to thank all the people that came by. And I really, really, really want to thank those kids from the Wilmington Boys and Club. Fantastic, great kids, and our future's bright that we've got young men and women like that heading our way. All right, Phil, thanks a lot for being with us. I know we'll be talking to you during the week, and we'll be hearing you from you again next Sunday night on Rod and Real Radio. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, John. Randy, Stan, everybody out there, you have a wonderful finish to your Sunday. All right. Hey, this is Hop Along. We've got Adventure with Whitney Toshar with us. Next, coming up, the California Inshore Report with Captain James Nelson. You're listening to Ron Real Radio on AM 540, or if you're living listening to us on the live stream, that's at ronrealradio.com. We'll be right back after these messages. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovid reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal tackle store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look 
or ask for the Rockleys at your local fishing tackle dealer. And we do want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. Dan Vandenberg is with us tonight. So is Wendy Koshar. And JR, uh, do we have uh, Captain James Nelson with us? Right. Hello. Not for the Southern California Report with Captain James Nelson. The segment of Rod Real Radio is brought to you by the Rockleach Fish Release System. Now you can release uh, your your bottom fish suffering from bear trauma back to the depth where they came from safely with the Rockleach System. Look for the Rockleach Bear Trauma Release System at your local tackle stores. And without further ado, Captain James Nelson, how are things going out there this week? John, I'd say they're going quite well. We got a little water. <laughs> you know, we had a little water. Did you have much coming over the boat? I noticed you were out there today, and uh, uh, you were still catching fish. We were out there today. We were out there yesterday. We've been out there pretty much every day. Well, you know, <laughs> I saw an unusual post. You said that you've had your Yamaha engine for almost two years, and you just reached a thousand miles on that engine. Do you live on that boat? Well, <laughs> pretty much, John. And yeah, it's a thousand hours on That's that thing, which say, you know, a thousand miles is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But a thousand hours—that's basically it's five hundred hours a year. Just to put that in perspective, um, most folks are good to get a hundred hours in one year. Yeah, Stan, you could probably better answer that question, uh, being. Uh, with uh, uh, 1-800-BASS-BOAT insurance, uh, wh- what do you think is the average amount of time that the uh, 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 an avid fisherman, number of hours they'll put on a motor? Well, there's there's avid fishermen, there's a pro fisherman, and then there's a commercial guy that does it as a job. <laughs> there's the, It's kind of a dichotomy there. You've got a guy that buys a boat and goes fishing, let's say, le- let's say a guy goes fishing six times a year. And he takes his boat out and runs it for 20 minutes to a spot or whatever it is and then fishes around and runs it for 10 minutes to another spot and then, you know, fishes for a while and then the end of the day goes back in and it takes, he he runs maybe a total of 30 total minutes or something for the whole day. Or maybe he runs an hour. Let's say he runs an hour, but he runs it six times a year. So he's got six hours on his boat. And three years later, you know, it's the same thing. The the guys that fish the tournaments, they're running them, you know, they're going to run them three or four or five hours, depending on how where they're going and what they're doing. They can't really run them five hours. They'll run them for an hour one way and an hour the way back, whatever it is. They'll pre-fish an hour here and an hour there, an hour here, there, there. So during the week, they're going to do that every week. So at the end of the time, you know, at the end of the year, a guy, if he doesn't fish a lot of the tournaments, but he's an avid fisherman, he's going to put 150 to or more hours on a motor. If you're like James, you're on it every day, and he's running his two or three hours a day, and and that's 300. Let's say it's only 300 <laughs> times a, a year. <laughs> you can count the number of hours he puts on it. And every motor, if you're talking about mileage. Each one of those motors runs three or four miles a gallon easily at speeds depending on, and and so it, if if he's got that many hours on it, you can multiply it by an average of three, and that's how many miles he's got on that motor. Well, well, James, 
Congratulations to that Yamaha <laughs> motor of yours for a thousand hours for two years, you know, averaging five hundred a year. Not too bad, and uh, I'm sure you've gotten a lot of dependability out of that motor. You know, so far so good. You know, that's, that's like I always uh, tell people, it's kind of the kiss of death right when you're launching a boat. If someone asks you, "Hey, how's your motor running?" <laughs> it's like the worst thing Don't you can do to a guy right as he's launching his boat. <laughs> tell them you've done uh, three thousand miles in the harbor. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but it, yeah, it, you know, it's it's fun. It's it's what can I say? It's just been a really. Uh, really good motor uh there's basically only a couple different motors i'll ever run and there's some that i won't talk about that i'm that i have ran in the past that i won't run again but uh <laughs> you know it's just that simple we we do what we can with what we've got to work with and i've been very very happy and very blessed to be uh, able to throw a yamaha on the back and have it run as well as it has well, that's great you know uh captain james uh, uh i think it was twice this week I had uh, people come into the store. They were going to go down to uh, uh, 24th Street and uh, launch out of there, and they were going, you know, I don't know if the uh, the bonefish are running or not. And I just go to James Nelson on uh, Facebook, and I I didn't have to go very far to find pictures of bonefish and nice bonefish that you've caught this week. And then I was surprised to hear you say, well, they're not running as well as they were a couple of weeks ago. Well, I don't know about that, but I, I can tell you that these fish do like sunlight. And, uh, you know, uh, when it's a little cloudy, you can catch them, but they bite a lot more conservatively, and they just really, they're good at picking the bait off the hook. And uh, their sense of discretion is just dropped when the sun is out, and it's just a matter of they pick, they pick it up and go. And so they're they're easier to hook. They're easier to catch when the sun is out, and I, I think that that helps. But uh, boy, John, I mean, we've been averaging anywhere from twenty to thirty a day on trips. So, and, you know, when you got when you got three guys, that's that's like ten each, and that's just phenomenal. And yeah, they are chunky fish. So, uh, Jim, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Because a lot of interest in bonefish here, because. It is kind of an exotic species, and they fight really well. I know there's a couple of different ways to fish them. There's live bait. There's uh, artificials. You want to tell us, uh, 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 give us some more information about the two different ways to fish them? Um, yeah, you know, the, the main thing is finding them, and it's really uh, we're at a little bit of a disadvantage versus our folks that catch them in tropical waters where they could sight fish, and they're, they're looking for them up on shallow flats. Uh, we don't get that. These fish, first of all, they like to stay a little deeper, and they're in the green water of the back bay where you've got a lot more uh, color, a lot more stain, a little tannic color to it. It's even uh, in some areas uh, partly brackish, so we're not, we're not able to sight fish them, but what you're looking for in the conditions is the same. What you're looking for is you're looking for mud flats, um, if you can uh, find a school that's going, you know, ballistic, you'll actually see a mud-stained cloud in the water. And if you fish around those mud-stained clouds uh, with shrimp, you know, is, is a good meat to throw. Uh, as far as bait, uh, you also can throw small plastics. Just those small little chartreuse plastics work pretty well. 
And uh, you want to go light because because they're loosening things out of the mud. You don't want to throw, uh, if you're throwing a, a grub on a lead head, you want to go as light as you can get away with. A 16th or even an 8th ounce head is really good. Wow. And now, what are they foraging for? Are they rooting around for things crawling in the grass or something that's buried, or are they after fin fish too, or, or is it all the above? Well, there are, there are times, Sean, where they will eat fin fish. If we've got a bunch of uh, anchovies that are just getting marauded by uh, mackerel or corvina or even the bay bass at certain times of the year, those bonefish will be under them um, uh, collecting scraps. But they don't really have a hunter's mouth as much as they do a gatherer's mouth. And what I mean by that is if you look at them, their mouth is down on the bottom, uh, much like a croaker or even a corbina would be. And so they're, they're picking up crabs. They're picking up uh, various different types of sandworms and mudworms, bloodworms. They're also picking up the mud mussels and, uh, of course, the shrimp, the gall, the ghost shrimp that are in our bay. And so they, they love it down there. There's plenty of food for them. And if you get in that food, get in there right now, they're spawning. So the cool thing about it is once you find one, you're going to find about 20 in one spot. And if you could just stay on that spot, the wind's not blowing 30 miles an hour like it has been the last few days. It's easier to stay on a spot and just, you know, just catch as many as you can. Now, when it comes to artificials, obviously if you're fishing with a 5-inch swim bait, uh, your chances of catching a bonefish may not be as good. But will they hit things like, uh, you know, 8-ounce Castmasters or uh, little supersonics or uh, actually little grubs? Uh, uh, do they go after smaller baits, and, do, and what colors do they like? Uh, yes, Sean, they will go after smaller baits. Uh, white, pinks, and chartreuses are always better as far as, you know, again, you want to match what they're looking for. I've had guys throwing flies, uh, little crazy charlies and little orange uh, crayfish-looking flies are really good. And also, when it comes to the spoons, again, if you see a bunch of turns working over small anchovies, there's fish under it working those small anchovies, and then there's bonefish under them getting the scraps that they can. So that's when a, a cast master just yo-yoed near the bottom works really well. Well, I know uh, there's been a great uh, bonefish fight. It, right now, we used to think there was a season for bonefish and uh, the water had to be warmer, so we were talking about June, July. Uh, you know, they'll come up uh, closer to the mouth of the bay, and then come the winter, they, they retreat uh, back into the flats and when we used to have the power plant back there, we thought, well, there was warmer water back there because of the discharge from the power plant. We thought that's where they were. But right now, they seem to be proliferating uh, literally all over the place. And is there really a season for them or not? You know, <laughs> they're here year-round. They're, they're not going anywhere. Um, when we get them in what I would call the off-season and uh, – that's any season that's not March through August. That was, that's what I call the on season, and it's really on because, again, that's when they're schooling up in thick numbers. They're, they're uh, spawning, so they'll be in the same areas almost every day. Uh, so when we're catching them in the off season, what we're doing is constantly looking for them. Every trip I take out uh, in the off season is different. I mean, we spend the first part of the day looking for them. It's not like I can, if I catch them on Thursday at spot X, I can't go back there Friday and expect to catch them. I'll try, 
but almost always they've moved on, and so we have to start looking for them all over again. Whereas right now, uh, the, most of the spots that we've been catching them on for the last three weeks are the same six spots I just keep going to over and over and over, and they're there. How is that because the, the bait doesn't move or the tides bait. don't move you know, the bait or the uh, time the of the season where the bait's there? And a lot of the other varieties, uh, uh, tide is really important. But when you're fishing those flats back in the, the back part of the, the bay, is tide as important as uh, maybe time of day or sunlight? That's, that's funny, John. You, you and you and Stan kind of stepped over each other, but you asked basically the same question, so that's cool. <laughs> so yeah, I can answer it. Um, to answer both of you, you know, tide is important, but it's not as important as it would be for, say, sand bass and halibut. Uh, it doesn't have to be flowing at uh, so many miles per hour. However, uh, that can change too, day to day. Sometimes they may. They may like it better. Again, it's all about the food. You know, if you find out what, what the bait is doing, uh, then that, that's going to make a difference. Just like any other fish that spawns, uh, the, the way they do, they're burning calories. So if they know that they've got a good chance to go out and get a bunch of bait because the current's moving it around, then they're going to go eat it. And, and I, it's just an instinctual thing that they, it's like I, I always uh, relate it to when the, you're waiting for the current to move for the bass to bite it's like they know when the conveyor belt is running and that's when they go snapping around but a lot of times that bait moves better at slack tide you know our, our beloved friend kelly salmons you say you know when he used to uh go out and dive a lot of times he noticed that the crabs and the shrimp would get up and kind of walk around when the tide wasn't moving and i think those fish know that so if it's a high tide slack you could expect that there's going to be a lot of bait crawling, and therefore there's going to be bonefish taking advantage of that. You know, that's one of those things that uh, I don't know if John can hear me, but I can hear you, Stan. Across the board, when people say, "Well, fish aren't here anymore," they're you know we've overfished or whatever else. It's not that that is the, the point. Most of the time, fish just move where they can eat, and they move with the bait that goes a different direction. Or oh, absolutely. Absolutely, Stan. They know if they've outfished a spot, then they've got to find a new spot. So we should do the same. No, well, that's exactly the same. All right. Hey, uh, uh, Captain James, if you want to get a hold of you, focus trip, find out what your schedule is. Have a good week to do it. What's your phone number, James? Oh, it's 619-395-0797. Nine, nine. Sorry, I was jamming out to that guitar. It got a little loud. I figured it's time to go. Snappy Guys, have, Snappy have a great week, and we'll talk to you next Sunday. <laughs> All right, Captain James Elson, the fish icon. Thanks, James. We will talk to you next week. Hey, we're going to take a break right now. Stan, Wendy, and I were here, and coming up next, if we can make the connection live from Sacramento, California, pro angler Dean Rojas. He's getting ready for the duel at the Delta, so... Stay tuned. More to come on Ron Real Radio. We'll be right back.
You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. When you're out fishing this year, there's two ways to be a hero. You can help save lives by making sure everyone on your boat wears a life jacket. And with the drought conditions, you can help save water. Because every drop we save is another drop out there for us and our fish. So be a hero, on the water and off. There's lots of ways to conserve, and there are lots of life jackets designed especially for anglers. To learn more about being a hero, take your hero quiz at BoatCalifornia.com. A message from the California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fish at Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We do want to welcome you back to uh, Rod Real Radio. I had no idea that that commercial was going to be playing at this time, but yeah, it's pretty fortuitous because there is an event that if you have anything to do with bass fishing, you've been waiting for for, man, almost five years, and that's the return of the BASS Elite Series out here to the West Coast. They've got two stop, stops coming up. One is at the California Delta. And then a couple of weeks after that, they'll be running down to Lake Havasu. So we've got two opportunities to see some of the best bass fishermen in the world 
But right now we've invited, I think, one of the best bass fishermen from the West Coast that is fishing the Elite Series, and we all know him. He's up in Sacramento right now to fish the uh, duel on the Delta. Stan, Wendy, and I, we welcome Dean Rojas to the show. Dean, how you doing, sir? Great, John. Great to be on the show again. Oh, it is good hearing from you, and I, I know that the creek fish or anything like that hasn't uh, uh, started yet, but how does it feel to be fishing here on the West Coast? Well, it feels great. You know, the last time we were here was about three years ago, and you know, it's um, you know, I grew up fishing uh, the West Coast, obviously up here at the California Delta and all the desert lakes uh, and so forth. So it's it's nice being on the west on the west side. Um, although you know, I enjoy fishing fishing back east. Uh, it's still nice to come back home, though. Well, you know, well, now you get to deal with the Delta, you know. And I talk to the guys up there all the time because they're back and forth up and down the the coastline here and and heard everything about that was going on and all of the bites, but I forgot everything about it, everything that they said, except for they said it was relative to the tide. Now, that's something that you don't get in lakes back east, so it's one of the things of the delta that makes it different than everywhere else, unless you're fishing the, the delta of the Mississippi. But a lot of the fishing has to be worked around tidal change uh, on the delta, and, and how do you deal with that now you're out here? Uh, well, you're a little bit ahead, but uh, that's something you've got to contend with. Well, you're exactly right, Stan. Um, you know, uh, the Delta out here has a has a, a pretty big tidal swing uh, compared to some of the other ones that I've fished in the past. Uh, the Potomac River down in New Orleans, where they'll have a foot, maybe a foot and a half swing uh, up here, three and a half feet. But it's still not not as big as when we fished in Delaware last year. We had a six foot tide swing. We uh, wow. I, I, wow. Yeah. I've, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Uh, I'll never forget when I launched the boat and went fishing. It was on a high tide. I'm like, man, this is cool. i got all this water to fish. And I come back four hours later, and it's high and dry, way up on the <laughs> bank. And uh, massive, massive water movement. Um, and it's just, it's just amazing that um, you know, the fish that can survive in, in, in that kind of atmosphere because it, it doesn't uh, – it doesn't bode well with the water not moving that much so obviously the weights were real way down um, because of the fluctuation of water but the delta here is a whole different animal um, you know I've, I've cut my teeth here on the west coast and been up here many many times uh, up here and um, you know it's, 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 it's a cool place to be I'm, I'm excited about for this week people don't understand that the influence of the ocean pushes water in and stops kind of stops the flow of water and it backs up uh, in the river, way further up than you would think inland, and, and and it becomes like a tidal pool where it just collects water and stays for a while, and then when it turns around again, the tide changes and goes the opposite direction, and it actually pulls the water back out at a at a more rapid rate, and the fish feed one way when the tide's coming in, and it's pushed up and it stops for that hour or so in the middle. And, and timing that because it pushes it up and it and if it's at the ocean and where it hits the 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 first part of the delta it's one thing but as it backs up up the river and goes up the river it can affect it for the next hour and the next hour and the next hour and then when it turns around and goes out and it starts pulling out the other way the fish have to turn around and feed on water going the opposite direction and for the fishermen to figure out which way to fish and, and the current as it changes and what to fish is a real that's a real challenge you know it is and um you know it, it's it happens four times a day 
you know, yeah. it goes in and out, you know, it's a bunch of water moving. Uh, so, but, you know, I, I only look at, you know, I've, I've been studying the charts, uh, well, you know, all, all, for a couple hours today on, on the tides and stuff and parts of the Delta um, that are calling for, you know, the, look at the tide chart on what day, uh, where I want to be at, you know, for low tide or incoming tide or outgoing tide. I'm looking at all that. And, uh, and then the next thing now is just being on the water tomorrow to see all that happen uh, and kind of see where I want to be at, what I want to do at. You know, we're kind of, we're kind of, you know, it's kind of lucky right now in the sense that because the fish are spawning, the spawning season, so a lot of them are going to be in the, in the dead end flues, uh, some of the, um, uh, the the berms and so forth. Something where there's there's, there's water movement, but not a lot of water movement uh, per se. Uh, so um, it, it kind of, you kind of know where to where to look to to go find them. You know, uh, BASS has thrown another curve at you also, uh, in in fact that you will be launching out of downtown Sacramento, and I think the general consensus of opinion is is that some of the fishermen may be going an hour and a half, two hours, one way, just to get to some of the spots that they want to fish. Yeah, that's uh, you know that's the consensus. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, you know, I for this event, uh, I feel like um, I, I want to win. Uh, I want to fish for the right fish that are going to. Um, you know, continue um, my high finishes and so forth, and, and the point standing. So, I'm I'm not leaving anything on the table on this one. Um, the simple fact that we never hardly have come here every three years, and uh, you know, I know the water well enough uh, to to navigate it and kind of you know know enough to to uh, to be able to catch and know where the, the bigger fish are at. So, uh, if if I have to go uh, 90 miles, I'll, I'll I'll go nine 90 miles. You know, normally we're going out of Stockton or. Uh, you know, Russo's up at the Frank's track and so forth, but um, Sacramento is the one who put up the money, and so we're going out of downtown Stockton, and it's it's about 80 miles, 70 miles, I think, one way to get to uh, to get to even to just even to get to the northern part of of the Delta where the fishing starts to get good. You know, Dean, when you, when you look back and see, like in 2010, when uh, John Cruz won it, it took 85 pounds. Uh, back in 2007, when Aaron won it. It took 72 pounds. When when you think or anticipate uh, it's it's going to take a big bag of fish to win this thing, does that excite you? Does it intimidate you? Is it both or what? Because, you know, to us uh, regular guys, uh, going out and over uh, a three- or four-day period catching 90 pounds of fish, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, John, it's going to be interesting this year, uh, and I think a lot of it has to do just with the actual running time that we're going to have. Uh, I, I think I don't think it's going to take you know, everybody saying 100 pounds or 90 or 80. I think it's going to be in that 70 pound range again, or high 70s. For the simple fact that we're not going to have a, lot, a, lot, a whole lot of time to fish. Um, you know, we're gonna, if we leave at you know, say we would take off at 6:30, by the time we get to our water, it's going to be eight o'clock uh, in the morning. Um, and then at that point, you know, if the tide ain't right, if the conditions aren't right, um, you got to turn around and come back at 1 o'clock. So that gives you five hours. And it's very difficult to catch 20, 20 25 pounds, you know, in five hours. And usually um, when we had that, you know, the last two tournaments, you know, we were 15 minutes away from the fish, 20 minutes away from the fish. So you take two hours out of that running time, throw in the tide, uh, throw in everything else in there, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I think you're going to see weights that are going to rival uh, when we were here in 2010. You know, I, I, I t- 
totally agree with you there. Uh, thinking about the time that, if, if you're not familiar with, you know, the running times is one thing. Your boats go fast, you know, we can travel at speed, but that time element is is incredible in that you've got to, once you get there, you've got to hope that the fish, the quality fish, you're going to start catching them fairly quickly. That's right. Because that time and timing is everything there. And if the water movement isn't just right or they move off and they're sitting suspended instead of up against the bank there where you've got to now wait, the waiting while you're you're waiting for those fish to bite because you can't fish fast at that point when you're fishing for these type, this type of bed fish. you actually got to wait for the fish to come to you. Uh, man, if you can get 20 to 25 pounds, I think 20 pounds a day is reasonable. If you get 25 pounds a day, that means you've got a kicker every day. Yeah, and that's uh, that's you know four days. That's uh, that, that's a whole different animal. Um, You're not kidding. Uh, it, it's <laughs> I mean, you can catch seventeen to twenty. I would imagine pretty you know in that range pretty easily. If anything over that, uh, it's going to be hard to duplicate. Uh, just because, again, if at a time and we've got uh, we've got an Everstart starting practice on uh, on this weekend also that we're there, and a couple other big tournaments that are going on during the weekend of our Bassmaster event. So there's going to be a lot of other boats on the water. Uh, you know, spectators, you know, fishing around. So, um, you know, I don't know what to expect. I'm keeping an open mind about it all. I, I, I kind of have a target, you know, where I want to be at. Uh, so I'm just going to take it one day at a time. And, and that and you got to cover so much water when you stop the boat to start fishing. you got to cover an amount of water because there's not a foot every foot. I mean, a fish every foot. You have to actually fish an element of the of that environment for a period of yards or whatever it is and then go to another area that is similar to get that same thing i mean this is a strategy that i don't think a lot of the people understand that when you're environment when you're in this environment and you've got to fish competitively you've got to find the same spot type of structure in the same type of area where if you're fishing spawning areas not every slough and not every part of the river has that, so you've got to duplicate that and hope somebody else hasn't gone through there and wiped out your fish. Yeah, you're exactly right, Stan. It's um, <laughs> it's something that um, that we 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 handle every week. You know, all these guys are all professionals. Uh, we've all been faced with those challenges and even more, and it's amazing how these guys continue to keep catching them. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> you, you, would, you would like to think that you know it's a good turn, but it's not. They're going to catch them. And uh, I just I know for myself that I have to be one of those guys, and uh, I have to uh, stay stay with the leaders, and, and I, I know what I need to catch uh, to stay up there, and it's gonna, it's gonna be a challenging week. Well, you know, Dean, I got to give it credit. You know, you're you've got knowledge uh, of the the Delta and uh, of our Western waterways here that a lot of the guys don't have. I think taking that knowledge and going east makes it makes you actually a better fisherman. Um, the guys that are coming out here without that type of knowledge in the background for the West Coast are going to—they're going to struggle um, with our with our Delta environment and and just how and it's plastic. I mean, just if you didn't have a GPS on your boat, you'd be lost up there. So right, uh, right it's right. just a—it's a huge body of water. Uh, you're you're traveling a lot of miles and then trying to figure out how to duplicate the things that where you're getting bit uh, for four days. With that number of people on it, is a huge yeah. chore. It is. It is. And you know, for the guys who haven't been here before, <clears throat> you know that just the uh, initial run to get to the Delta, you know, it's going to be an hour. And uh, you know, for somebody who's never been here before, it can be very daunting uh, oh, when you're fishing huge. around the I'm just going to follow that area. Guy. 
because it all looks good, you know, and it all looks like it should have them, and um, and it's it's gonna it's gonna tax them, you know. But uh, I hope hope my knowledge is gonna come through and my experience and my know-how, and uh, I want to have a good week this week. So I'm staying positive, staying open-minded, and uh, staying focused. Well, I think you're you're doing the right the right thing. One, you got a little knowledge, and you you can't overblow it. You got to you know you're doing the the pre-fish or a little pre-thinking, understanding the tide flow, and understanding that there's going to be fish that are spawning and fishing the fish that are not. Then you got to just cross your fingers, hope that the weather the weather stays stable. You don't have right. a cold front coming in or something like that to change it up. But that, isn't that the fun part of this sport? Yeah, it is, you know, and and the weather pattern that California's had this, this these last uh, six months that there there will be no cold front that's coming in, there will be no rain, and uh, it'll be nice, nicely sunny like it's supposed to be uh, for the next next six weeks. But yeah, I, I'm excited about it, and um, you know, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Let's hope there's no Tule fog either, because uh, that part <laughs> of the that part of the uh, uh, the country when. Uh, Things get really still, and we're still in a time of the year where you can look up and you can see stars and look ahead of you, and you can't see anything. And you're talking about navigating over a thousand miles of waterways, and you're not the only ones on that. On that, there's all kinds of commercial traffic and everything. Uh, I I don't know. I guess I liken it kind of like to the Delta, but you see, um, you're fishing still kind of different stuff than you're fishing, let's say. Uh, fishing the Sabine or even fishing in Delaware, or is it sort of like the same type of terrain, Dean? Well, I've experienced a lot of uh, truly fog here over the years I've fished this place, and uh, it can be very, very scary. Um, we had a lot of those conditions at the Sabine River uh, roughly about a, about a month ago where we had uh, a major, major storms come in and it got real foggy. Uh, during practice and where you're navigating, you know, canals, much like the California Delta is. And, you know, it's just scary because a lot of the locals there, they're running little, little John boats, little P boats and stuff. And they're just, they're, they, they know exactly where to go and they don't slow down during the fog. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, that navigation is, is, uh, you always have all your senses, uh, on cue, uh, whenever you're running in that fog. And, uh, but, you know, it was, I think that, uh, you know, the guys are going to have a hard, I don't think we're going to see fog this week. It's going to be nice. Uh, but it's just, just the overall challenge of, of, of them having to drive, you know, 2,000 miles to get here and then to be faced with driving, you know, 90 miles to get to the Delta. You know, there's just going to be a lot of uh, a lot of things going through their mind, I'm sure, during all that time. Hey, Dean, uh, can you stay with us for another segment? Because, uh, sure, sure. I've got a question to ask you about the... Uh, Duel at the Delta, and I want to talk a little bit about BASS coming to Havasu. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Hey, we're speaking with Dean Rojas. He's up uh, in Sacramento right now getting ready to fish the uh, BASS Duel at the Delta. Dan, Wendy, and I got to take a break right now. We'll be back right after these messages.
Kamikatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Kamikatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Kamikatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Kamikatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Captain Chris Randall from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief. It's here, and it's time to go on the Chief. For those that are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips, ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin 6 ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to H&M Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook and at our webpage at Chief Sport Fishing.com. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovet reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal Tackle Store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. Hi, my name is Dennis Green, and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were. Hey, welcome back to Rod and Real Radio. Dan Vandenberg's with us tonight. So is Wendy Shoshara. And right now we are speaking with our special guest, Pro Bass Angler, Dean Rojas. Dean is calling us live from Sacramento, California, where he's getting ready to fish the Duel on the Delta. That's the, the BASS event that is the first stop of two stops they're making here on the West Coast. And, and Dean, I, it was interesting uh, uh, reading some of the comments of some of the anglers that are up there. There seem to be uh, two uh, right now major issues that they were talking about, number one, all of them seem to be enjoying in and out Burger. It seems like you can't get in and out Burger <laughs> in other parts of the country. 
Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a mainstay for all those guys to come out here. It's kind of a, we have one in Lake Havasu also now, so they, they always talk about the In-N-Out Burger. they got to come eat one and all that stuff. And, you know, growing up here in Southern California, it wasn't a big deal for us. You know, we, we had it all the time anytime we wanted to go to it. But um, for those guys back east in Alabama and Tennessee and Arkansas, they, they don't know. All they have is uh, Whataburgers there. They don't got the good stuff like the In-N-Out Burger out here. Or Sonic and White House. Yeah, or or the uh, Waffle House. The other thing is, is that you all had to get together for uh, a special inspection of all the boats, and I think that's also something that they were kind of unfamiliar with. You want to tell us what that was about? Well, uh, today we had a boat inspection uh, for um, uh, for California for uh, you know aquatic and um, you know muscle uh, transport. Uh, all of our rigs were, were checked uh, for, you know, any water that was in our engines or in our live wells that was left over from uh, whatever lake they were at, um, you know, since uh, coming in here to California. So, um, you know, it's just something that we have to go through. Uh, I know that in New York, there's in Minnesota, there's, there's a lot of, of those like that in the sense uh, they don't want the aquatic uh, vegetation to be moved around. Uh, and back there they have the, the, the zebra mussels. Uh, which is a cousin to the quagga mussel that we have out here on the West Coast. So um, they're, they're trying to keep it, you know, from contaminating other places and so forth. But, you know, out here, uh, you know, California has, still has some places that doesn't have the quagga, so they're, they're still they're, they're fighting the fight. But I, I think ultimately they're, they're going to come to it uh, at some point, um, you know, with, with, with the quaggas coming in, in into California. Well, luckily, with the exception of uh, one lake, uh, there are no lakes uh, that uh, are not on uh, the receiving end of uh, water from the Colorado River that uh, have quaggas. The rest of the uh, lakes that have uh, water coming in from uh, the California Delta and down the aqueduct, I think there was only one lake where they found uh, a mussel, and it wasn't even a quagga mussel. It was a zebra mussel, and they have absolutely no idea how that got on there. Because the lake is not open up to boat traffic or anything. Yeah, that's like a water that, retention so. lake, and they don't know how it got in there. So, the only yeah. other lake that got the, the quagga mussel, they actually they haven't said anything, but they brought a boat in from Silverwood that has the quagga mussel from, and that type of, and they put it on the lake, and, it, and then it all of a sudden has the quagga, but it's not from anybody else that we don't think, because all the boats have been traveling back and forth. How many boats for how many years have come from all the different areas of the? of the uh, states and come to our local lakes to fish for the big fish because they were here and never had yeah. a problem until yeah. all of a sudden uh, in the last, I would say, what, eight years, the quaggas become a problem mostly from the Colorado River system. You know, yeah, you know, Dean, you know, tell, us a little bit, oh, tell us a little bit about your, how you're going to pre-fish this with the type of lures. I, mean, I don't want you to give away any super secrets, but, you know, we see a lot of finesse fishing uh, that has creeped into you know, fishing the BASS and uh, also the FLW. Is this going to be more power fishing, though, you think, with pitching jigs and punching uh, 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 weed mats and fishing frogs and, uh, uh, you know, heavier stuff? Or uh, do you anticipate a lot of that? Or will there be a good mix of everything? Well, I think that you could probably do that the first couple of days. Um, you know, and, and the thing about four-day events is you have to be able to change your technique of fishing. I mean, you just can't keep throwing the same thing over and over again in the same area, you know, expect the same result. So, obviously, you're going to catch uh, the ones that, 
you know, that want to catch a flipping or a punching type of bait or catch them on a frog and so forth. Uh, but that only lasts for a couple days, and then you may have to change to a drop shot, you know, finesse flipping, uh, something that's weightless. You know, uh, there's just a lot of little techniques that you can use that, that are a little bit different than, than the, the power techniques that will help you catch, you know, the fish that, that didn't want that power presentation. So um, I've got about uh, about 15 rods tied up with all different weight sizes, bait sizes from, you know, from the heavy stuff all the way to a, a light six-pound drop shot rig. So I, I've, I've got all the basics covered because uh, I know that, that that's what it's going to take uh, to be successful four days here. You know, if you're going to, when you start fishing, you've, you've done a little pre-fishing already, Dean? Uh, n- no, not here. Where, on, on Havasu or here? No, here, not on Havasu. I know you haven't been there yet. Well, you know Havasu. No, no. The, the, uh, the last time I was up here is when we had our, our, our last elite, elite tournament here. Oh, so you haven't hit the water yet in the Delta? No, no, our practice starts tomorrow. Oh, cool. Well, then I'm not going to ask that question then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. Dean, you don't see a lot of clear water at the Delta, so uh, I'm going to... Uh, uh, imagine, uh, you know, when it comes to lures, uh, what what color lures do you choose? Well, my my past experience here is it's always been the the darker colors, the the blacks and the browns, the, the reds are always really good here, uh, reds yeah. and purples and so forth. So, um, I think that you're going to see that uh, be a, a mainstay color all the way through the whole week. Um, obviously, we get into some clear water. Your your oxbuds are going to be very good. Um, you know, your real natural tones uh, will be real good on that end. So I'm just trying to keep all my options open on, on where I think the, the uh, fish are going to be at. All right. Well, Dean, we'll be following you at the Delta, and I know you are, you know, you're not prone to look ahead, but you've got to be thinking a little bit about the next stop for the Bassmaster Elite Series. It's going to be at a place called Lake Havasu, and that has to bring a smile to your face. Yeah, it does. You know, it's uh, it'll be the first time in 16 years on the tour that I actually get to sleep in my own bed fishing a national event. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be special on on, on that end. But um, for me, um, you know, I, I want to stay focused here on the Delta. But it, it is very nice knowing that uh, the next place that we're going to go to is a place that I fish quite often and uh, and, and know how to fish it very well uh, to be able to, to know where I need to make changes and where I can go make those changes to, to catch more fish and bigger fish and so forth. So I'm resting easy uh, going into next week, but I, I want to stay focused because I know i got a big challenge this week. Uh, and then after this is over, then, then we'll, 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 let, we'll let, let it loose on Havasu. In general, uh, what was the, uh, the feeling uh, of the, uh, the pro anglers when uh, it, it was really, the news was released that there was going to be a a swing out west. Uh, uh, was there a oh man, you've got to make that trip, or was it something they were looking forward to? Because you know it's, it's new water to a lot of these guys. You know, John, I would say about ninety percent of them um, were excited to come out here. You know, whether they've been here before or they heard about it, uh, or they're just tired of going to the same stuff that we go to every year back there. Everything looks the same. Everything is the same. And um, it just adds a different element, uh, you know, fishing out here. Yes, it's a long ways from home, you know, for those guys. But, um, you know, you hear them whining and complaining about the drive and everything. But I've been driving back there for 16 years back and forth, you know, traveling <laughs> 2,000 miles to go back there and fish on their home lakes and everything. So 
for them, you know, it is, it, it's a big ordeal for them to come out here. For me, it's not a really big ordeal to drive to New York or to Florida and compete with them on their home water. Uh, so for them, it, it's just it's just, it's hard on them, you know. But uh, I think I think once they get on the water and they'll, they'll start doing what they need to do. But um, and and for me personally, I, I I need to be aggressive and, and I I need to to really take advantage of the, of the situation of of having two lakes that I that I know very well grew up on and uh, have advantage, a distinct advantage on, on both of them to, uh, to have a, a good event on both of them. You know, I think it's somewhat of an equalizer for the guys west coast to east coast because everything, like you said, almost everything is east coast or, or northeast and, and, and southeast for that group of guys that are fishing. To come out here, it equalizes that a little bit for some of the guys that are on the west coast, although our, our west coast guys, I actually think, have a lot of talent that because they have to fish out here in our environment and you've got to be uh, talented with, you know, the quiche baits, <laughs> you know, the drop shots and everything else, the light line fishing uh, that they're not used to doing so much on the on the east side of things or especially down south, everybody uses heavier line for, for uh, reaction bait fishing. But when you get to the delta, especially our delta and the California delta, it is a it can be a real changer. Uh, so it's a, somewhat of an equalizer uh, east to west a little bit. And then it, when you throw them on Havasu, which is a, a, a river impoundment, but because of the changes it's been going through over the last five years or so, maybe more, that is just an exceptional fishery, too. I think I would think that the guys from the East Coast would be going, I want it. one, I want to go to the Delta and see if I, I can catch a load of biggins because they hear about it, two, I want to go to Havasu because that place is maybe one of the stars of the Western United States right now. <laughs> so I would think the guys from all the guys on the tour would be going, yeah, let's go someplace different and go fish them up. Yeah, and they are, standing. You made some really good points there um, with the um, uh, with them coming out here. It, it, you know, it's, I think it's a lot of their, a lot of their techniques are going to do very well on on, on California Delta. And uh, you know the last guy who won who won here was John Cruz from Virginia, you know, all yeah. the way. But and so that 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 itself shows that you know the guys can come back here and compete and and, and they do well. Um, but the last I don't know since Bassmasters Classic, uh, I've had at least no less than twenty five guys come up to me and and say, "Man, I went to Havasu for three days, or I went to Havasu four days. Man, that's an awesome lake. That's a great lake. I can't wait to go out there and, and you know, it's so beautiful and you know gorgeous and everything and." You know the fishing's great, and the you know the scenery is is, is off the chart. You know, and and uh, they're bringing their wives, their families, and everything out. They just they can't wait to get out in that 100 degree dry heat. So um, <laughs> yeah, every, every, everything for them has been exciting. They can't you know they they want to get through here and then head down south to to where it's warm and, and have a seat. Well, most of those guys, to be honest with you, they come from an area where you got to wear a snorkel to walk down the street. It's so humid to come out here in dry heat. It's a whole different story. <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. So, they're, uh, they're they're in for a big treat with all those big boats and uh, all those flattery clad women too. So, it's going to be, be interesting for them to, to stay, stay focused that week. You say there's going to be a lot of fishing done uh, in the channel, huh? Uh, trolling, I think. <laughs> right, so, you know, Gene, talk about you possibly having to travel. Uh, Hour and a half, uh, one way, uh, maybe two hours, uh, uh, one way. Uh, 
tell me about the capa- fuel capacity in your boat. Do you uh, have enough fuel to make a run like that all at one time, or do you also have to start, uh, you know, you know, figuring out where fuel stops are? Well, on, on, on my speeder, I've got about 180 miles of, uh, of uh, coverage. I go 90 on, on a tank and 90 on back, so... Uh, I, I'm going to have to get fuel. So that was my other thing this morning. I was talking to Ish Monroe. He's, he's, my, he's my best friend on tour, and, and obviously he lives up here. And, uh, we went over for about an hour this morning on, on, on cell phone and just kind of going over places to get fuel, you know, and, and, and that's another thing that you've got to think about. Uh, all the guys have to think about is getting fuel because there are a few popular spots where, you know, 80 or 90 boats are going to have to get fuel to get down there and back so uh timing that to where you're not waiting in line for fuel uh, you know all that stuff so i mean that adds another thing into what we do it's going to take more time away from fishing to uh to stop and get fuel so uh if you want another wrench to throw in it you got it right there with the fuel you know the, the time and everything well team i can't thank you enough for taking some of the Time. I know you're preparing uh, for this tournament. Uh, we're going to be following you closely. And then also we hope to get the opportunity to, since we're going to be right in our backyard to uh, visit you uh, when you're at uh, Lake Havasu. So I, I can't thank you enough for being with us on Rod and Reel Radio. We wish you the best of luck, and we're going to be following you. Well, thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Stan. And thank you, John, for having me on. And uh, I look forward to uh, getting back on the show with you guys. Good luck up there. All right, thank you. Thank you, uh, Pro Angler Dean Ross. No, uh, Delta. Hey, we got to take a break right now, but coming on up, I think Stan has worked up a pretty good report on the opening day in the uh, uh, in the Eastern Sierra. So still a tune, still more Rod Real Radio to come. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for bass boat insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. 
I am a heroic angler. I can bait a hook with my eyes closed, cast to a spot the size of a dime, and reel in the biggest monsters of the depths. And not only do I make sure everyone on my boat wears a life jacket, I make sure we're saving water. Because every drop we save means more water for our fish. And there's nothing I wouldn't do for a fish, except kiss one. Well, there was that one time, but I don't kiss and tell. Take your hero quiz at BoatCalifornia.com. A message from the California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Welcome back to Rod Real Radio. I'm your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. We've got Stan Vandenberg with us tonight. Also, Winnie Toshahar is here. You know, we've talked about some great saltwater fishing. We've got pro anglers that are here out in the West looking for some fantastic bass fishing. We know that, uh, you know, the fishing all around here is, is good, but we had another area open up this past week for fishing. It's the Eastern Sierras and Stan. I know you've been working. Hopefully we uh, report on how that opener went. Well, you know, <laughs> we had nice nice weather for a while, and then it came in, and I'm pretty sure that the guys that, that planned to go up for the opener had just the same kind of an event. In fact, I know for a fact they did. If it's blowing here, it's howling there. If it's raining here, it's snowing there. So I, I know that they, they had inclement weather. But I know that the Sierras were ready to rock for the fishing industry. I mean, they were a lot of the the lakes were stocked last year uh, heavily. Uh, they had to dump a bunch of fish from the different arenas that they had them in that they were closing them down. So there were fish put in, and there were a lot of big fish put in. And what I I started talking to the people up at Twin Lakes uh, Bridgeport, which my buddy Steve Marty was the the uh, owner of the Lower Twin Resort up there. And Steve sold his place. Uh, he's been a friend for a long, long time. But he sold it to his people that worked there, Tim and Misty uh, Sullivan. I got a hold of them, and they said that that the fishing was just excellent on Lower Twin. That's one of those places that, that always produces big fish. Uh, Upper Twin, they caught lots of fish. They were lots, lots of stalkers. Lower Twin, the big fish was a 10-10 brown, uh, caught on a J-plug, obviously, or oddly enough, uh, a custom-painted by a guy named Scott Hart. Uh, second big fish out of the lake was a nine-pound, thirteen-ouncer, caught by Steve Marty's um, cousin or something like that up there. Uh, no, th- that was a different fish. That was caught uh, on a blue and white uh, Uzuri uh, minnow. Now they like uh, they like blue and white because there's kokanee salmon up in the uh, upper and lower Twin Lakes at Bridgeport, and any place that there's kokanee, they eat that silver and blue really. Well, silver and black, silver and blue, and they like rattles. Oddly enough, up there, up there also. So if you're going there, take those with you. There was an eight pound, eight and ele- eight pound eleven was the thirteen third biggest fish caught on a number eighteen Rapala, kokanee colored. Obviously, uh, that's a different one there. That's a silver and black, but it was custom painted also. Uh, fourth biggest fish was seven pounds fourteen ounces. That was a rainbow caught off floor off the shore. Um, if you go down to the reservoir, talk to Rick at Ken's Sporting Goods down in Fish and in Bridgeport. He goes, it was just wide open on the reservoir, but the shore fishing was uh, was the best. And they caught them on power bait crawlers and and uh, gold quarter ounce cast masters were the things that caught most of the fish. But he said that they that they weighed 15 to 20 fish, five to eight pounds, or, or nice. in, in that all from that lower reservoir area there. 
if you're going to the Sierras, by the way, gold is the color that you want to, you know, that's your primary for your your bait fish, which is like a chub, or even the suckers when they when they spawn. But that's what those bigger trout kind of tend to lean to, especially at the beginning of the year. But they, even going through the rest of the year when the brown trout and everything else is already spawned, they, they tend to eat that golden color because everything's that brown or gold color just for you people who are getting ready to go up there. I talked to uh, a few of the people. I could not get a hold of anybody at June Lake. Um, they are just busier up there than, than they'd like to be, but happy because the opener was such a good opener. Even though it was snowing and blowing, they had a really good response from a lot of different people. They probably had the best uh, opener that they've had in years because last year was so good, and then this year everybody just came up there and they said it was just numbers all over the place. What I do know is some of my friends called me and said it was just it was snowing and blowing, but they had really good uh, uh, fishing up there. Uh, Pete and Andy Vincioni, Pete, uh, good friends of mine, they fished down here, and they, he called. He said he had Pete early in the morning had two two uh, fish over four pounds, uh, just casting baits at the shoreline. They were fishing out of a boat and coming and fishing them back. Um, he said everybody up there caught. He said he talked to everybody had limits of fish. Uh, various sizes, but a lot of nice ones. Uh, another guy I got our pictures from. He, uh, Tim Whitehouse, had a seven-pound brown. Oh, seven-pound rainbow, uh, and they were doing the same thing, just casting at the shore, and and in a boat. And they weren't trolling. They were they were all casting lures, mostly at at the banks and certain areas that they uh, that they like to fish every year. And everybody kind of has their own little areas. But he got a seven-pound rainbow and two five-pound cutthroats, along with a bunch of other fish. So all in all, um, they said the opener so far has been just absolutely phenomenal, uh, even with the inclement weather. And I got pictures of guys with a boat full of snow and a boat full of fish. So uh, they had a good time, but they had weather. But that's not altogether bad for the opener. Now, I don't know if we've got either Abby or, uh, or Adam on from Crowley Lake, but hopefully. Anybody there? There is somebody here. It's Adam. Adam, buddy, how are you? Stand here over the Rod and Reel Radio. Hey, I've heard that you had a little wind and a little weather on Crowley Lake, but I heard you had a lot of people at Crowley Lake, too. Uh, yeah, the turnout was, uh, you know, huge as always. Uh, you know, we were not short on people. Uh, and the, the folks that did come, they really endured the weather and the snow and the wind and all that stuff. And, uh, they did very well with the fishing. Um, it was actually fishing-wise one of the best openers I can remember in uh, in history. Really, that's good. Boy, that's good. oh yeah. A big fish was uh, ten pounds four ounce cutthroat. A cut. That's wow, good. nice. That's yep, really I mean, good stuff too. Those fish are really several fish there. in the seven to eight pound range, brown, browns and rainbows. So how many? Um, and I couldn't even tell you how many fish over five pounds wow. that were in. So it was just phenomenal. Uh, you know, like I said, the guys that were out there and enduring all this stuff, uh, as far as the weather and the wind and the snow, they were they were coming through, and uh, they were definitely rewarded very well. What did the guy get the big fish on? Um, you know, he was very secretive. He didn't really <laughs> want to give up what he was doing, but uh, I believe he was trolling he wouldn't tell us what lure though and he was out well, in front of the harbor so he was just out of the harbor yeah he was just uh kind of right between 
the mouth of the harbor and uh, Hilton Bay. So that was just right in front of oh, the fish camp here. That's what I call Amen Corner. Well, yep, exactly. hey, uh, Adam, is that, was that cutthroat? I mean, to some people in other parts of the country, that's a fish of a lifetime. Is, was that fish a stock fish? Was it a holdover fish? Or can you tell us anything about it? Um, you know, what that one was more than likely was uh, probably dropped in the lake probably five to six years ago. Um, we do get stocked with cutthroats uh, every year, so you can almost tell, you know, Every year they grow you know, at least a pound so uh, or more. And uh, you can almost tell where the fish or what year they were dropped in just by the size of the fish uh, as far as the cutthroats go. Like the ones that were put in three to four years ago, they're all, they're all 18 inches. I mean, they are, they're all almost look just alike. They're three pounds, 18 inches. Uh, this is one of the exceptional ones that... Uh, Every now and again, they'll get pulled out, and now they're getting big. They're over the 10-pound range, whereas, uh, say, last year, they might have been in the 8-pound range. You know, we've been fishing that lake. Our group of guys that come up there, this will be our 32nd year, I think. Man, it's a long time for the FATIT, the finest annual trout invitational tournament. And we've been involved with stocking Crowley and the lakes with brown trout and whatever else with our, our group of guys for many, many years. And when they first put in, because the cuts were, the cutthroat is actually a native to our Sierras, and it was depleted and then re- started restocking about, I don't know, at the first, I would say maybe eight to ten years ago, the first plants in some of the lakes to get it started again. I know June has them, Crowley has them, um, but we used to catch them, and we are watching them grow just like he said. You know, we're, we're seeing them grow from, you know, 10 or 12 inches, and the next thing you know, they're... Uh, 15 to 20 inches, and then uh, they've gotten to the point where now, it, and that ha- that fish has a real tendency to it can grow big. I mean, the 18 pound cut is not uh, unforeseen, and in the old days, that was the kind of fish you caught: big brown trout and big cuts. The cutthroats, I think, have are making a really great comeback in that we have them in several different bodies of water up there, and uh, and they're. They stay deep most of the time. You don't catch as many of those as you do the rainbows and browns, but they have the tendency to be really big. Yeah, they do. Um, and, uh, in fact, uh, a lot of times I'll even find that they travel in school. So if you end up catching one and you go back to the same area, say if you're, if you're trolling or whatnot, a lot of times you might end up even catch, catching even more of them. So, yep. um, But they are, like you said, they're making a huge comeback, actually, every year. It seems like you're just oh, we're just catching more and more, and they're getting bigger and bigger, and they're really thriving in this lake. Well, that was one of the the better lakes for the cuts for for a long, long time. So it, that's it's a really good thing to see. I'm really happy for for the one the fishery for the lake and for the cutthroat too. You know, to make a comeback and and we see the bigger fish because I think that's going to over overshadow the brown trout. Brown, the brown trout they're and the cuts have a mouthful of teeth, by the way, people. That they are a meat eater. Uh, they like to eat other fish, like just kind of like the brown trout. A brown trout is like the wahoo of the trout family. They have a mouthful of teeth, and they like to eat anything moving. Um, but the cuts. Yeah, they do. You know, this they're year, they're, uh, yeah, at this they're, time of year, because um, they almost go through a color-changing phases, and right now they are just solid red. Oh, let me see. They just they almost look wow. like salmon. Um, they're really neat fish. Now, are those fish sterile, Adam, or uh, do they, would they have the possibility of breeding in there? 
Um, well, on the uh, those are not uh, the ones that they are putting in now are triploids. Uh, the ones that they were putting in that uh, you know five plus years ago, those are actually diploids. So they do have some of them in the lake. Definitely do have the ability to reproduce. Um, and you know, and with crawly, we see you know, especially in the fall, um, we see fish uh, you know uh, trout fry in just mass quantities here on the lake and by the docks and stuff like that because they they just feel a little safer after they uh, after they do hatch and stuff. So we'll actually sit there and we'll watch a lot of the fry in the lake grow from you know just a tiny little thing up to a couple inches, and then before you know it, they're gone and they're out on the lake. You know, in the, by the thousands and. I'm assuming some of those are probably cutthroats. I would have to assume that they do have some spawners, obviously. If you got that 10-pound fish, that was back when, and that's probably a female. So she probably right. she has probably found a male or two and gone up into the Owens. They, they like running water, and they'll, they'll spawn, and there will be some reproduction, which will help reproduce for the lake. A lot of those fry, unfortunately, are... are fodder for the bigger fish but as long as there's weed cover and there's a place for them to go they will always grow and and by the pure numbers of fish that there are in Crowley Lake um, it's a, a phenomenally wonderful fishery it's not the put and take lake like the rest of them are uh, the, most of the other lakes they put a few in and they're all caught out in Crowley they have a chance to actually run up creeks and rivers spawn and, and it helps reproduce the lake and, and, and grow the lake. And there's enough of a, a food chain because of the midge in there and the snails that are in the lake that the fish can live all year and grow all year long. You know, Adam, if uh, uh, people uh, weren't able to make the opening but what they hear, now, if they want to come up and visit you there at Crowley Lake, uh, how's the availability in the next few weeks, and how's the best way to get a hold of you? Where you left a row half done. Phone number? But I can prove it. You ain't got no ambition. I don't know if we can hear that. John, did you hear the phone number? Yeah, I didn't hear the phone number, Stan. Uh, uh, well, it was a little bit too loud. Right. <laughs> That's going to be a, uh, one of those things where we're going to be continually t- making contact with the gang at Crowley and, uh, and the other lakes during the year here, and we'll give you the, the phone numbers, and we'll tell you where to go and what to throw as uh, we go along through the season. But it's, uh, it's going to be a good one. Um, Crowley Lake's phone number, I can give you the, li- the number is 760-935-4301. You can call them, rent a boat, get information, go play. All right, Stan. Hey, thank Adam for being with us. We appreciate it. Uh, great report. And sounds like it. Stan, how about much longer is the season going for? Well, this season, uh, the trout season ends in November, which is okay. gives you a lot of time to get up there and play. All right. Hey, guys, that's it for tonight. As you can see, great fishing here in the southwest, especially in Southern California. Take advantage of it, especially now with the Yellowtail Derby coming on up. Remember, the launch party for the 2015 Yellowtail Derby takes place this Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, at the Valley High Restaurant. Come on over if you're signed up. That's great. If you're not signed up, you want to be that. Hey, 
Then when he tonight, appreciate being with us. Also appreciate all our guests, Jr. for helping us go together, and Ben. Also want to thank you, our local and always the member the bill. Thanks a lot, Bill, for the you left for us. So good night. We you safe fishing. We'll see you on the water. We're out for now.